0: I know lasts forever. Hello, everybody. This is Mario Costabile, and welcome back for Reason for Hope. Today is a great day, and why shouldn't it be a great day, right? We got David Heideck. We're going to discuss more about Saint John Paul's theology of the body. Our special guest today is Damon Owens. This guy is an all-star speaker extraordinaire. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. We're also going to have some hilarious moments with some people on the street with my man in the street bit. You just never know what's going to come out of people's mouths or mine. We're going to share our faith with you today and try to make sense of a world that sometimes is challenging. And that's exactly why we need God. The fact that we are created for something greater, we're created for eternity, and we're created to be in union with Him. And that's our reason for hope. Excuse me uh, i'm conducting a survey i know that you're walking into the church right give me two seconds if you can tell me if you can the origins of what you believe god to be or who is god to you
1: uh he's creator of everything he's ruler of everything protector
0: he's the creator of all tell me if you can your definition of what god means to you
2: always there that's the thing i i think that's what i just said to you it's like yeah. i said she said, you haven't been to confession in a long time. I said, so okay. can have a personal relationship with the man? I talk to him every day.
0: I'm faithful. I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Tell me your definition of who God is. Wow. Tough to do on Fifth Avenue, right?
2: <laughs> My father. Um, yeah, creator of the world. Someone who I have a relationship with.
0: Excuse me, guys. Can I just ask you a couple questions real quick? She's not Catholic. It doesn't matter. Are you Catholic? Yeah, I am. Okay, real quick. So, you think you can give me what you guys believe God to be?
2: Uh, he's in your heart, you know, no matter what. doesn't matter what religion you are. It's just kind of a feeling, I guess.
0: Okay, what does God mean to you? Man
2: in the street. Uh, I'm the creator of the universe. Same, creator of the universe. I don't believe we have to go to church necessarily to believe in God, because I think he's just with us all the time.
0: Not too many people are uh, practicing Catholics. I haven't, well, I got one sort of devout practicing Catholic. Who do you believe God to be? Is there a definition that you could define what God is? Just the world
1: around you. You know, like I I am different from the normal teachings of religion, even though I was brought up in a private school. My faith is probably a little out of the ordinary.
0: I'm learning new things every moment here. Do you believe in God?
2: For sure, sure. God is... Everything for us.
3: Uh, for me, uh, God uh, is a person who is always uh, with me uh, during all my life, uh, and no matter if I visit the church or I'm at home, it is always with me in my soul.
2: Who's God for you? It's a tough one to do in two seconds, but honestly, give me—I uh, make it 45 seconds. For me, it's more about keeping sane and knowing there's something out there, and keeping us sort of in check, kind of like your dad. <laughs>
0: Something b- bigger and beyond yourself.
2: Not likely to make, like, good things happen, but just keep you from doing evil things.
0: What is your thought about God, if you can define who God is? He's, as American would say, the commander-in-chief. You never know where it's gonna go. He looks after our every move and, you know, takes care of us. Amen. Amen. Jesus <laughs> is kick in the when we need it, and what more can you ask? beautiful we'll have to beat that word but but I, I get the exp- I get the expression and the sentiment yeah yeah are you Roman Catholic or are you Christian yeah, Roman Catholic yeah 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 they're having a tough time over there in Ireland with their church uh, yeah I mean there's always a bad apple in the barrel so I love that you are good can you define your idea of who God is
1: um, God is a, a spirit an entity someone that provides um, guidance love support um, Someone you can manifest your dreams through, you know, for your
0: purpose in life. she you
2: so? know? How much she loves you so.
0: So here we are today, and our topic is chosen by eternal love. Now, this topic is from St. John Paul's Theology of the Body, and we're here, once again, with our Director of Theology here at Array of Hope, Dr. David Heideck. And uh, to unpack it, Dave, not too long ago, you shared with me that you think that this is a fundamental truth of our faith. So perhaps you can kind of go over where this originated in the Theology of the Body teachings there and and go a little deeper on that.
2: I really do think that this is an essential truth that we need to claim and and grasp for ourselves if we're going to really experience life the way God wants us to. In The Theology of the Body, audience number 15, uh, St. John Paul II is discussing the meaning of the human body and its masculinity and femininity, and he discusses how the body reveals a deeper value and beauty of the human person. Here's what he states. I think it's important to start with the quote. On the one hand, this meaning of the human body points to a particular power to express the love in which man becomes a gift. What corresponds to this meaning, on the other hand, is the power and deep availability for the affirmation of the person. That is, literally, the power to live the fact that the other, the woman for the man and the man for the woman, is through the body someone willed by the Creator for his own sake— That is someone unique and unrepeatable, someone chosen by eternal love.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's actually very beautifully uh, written, said, and expressed.
2: Yeah, it's just
0: powerful. He's a genius, I mean, really. Um, And, you know, it it is true that there are no two people alike. I mean, God created each and every one of us uniquely beautiful, uniquely our own person, right? So, Dave, why do you think that this truth is uh, so fundamental?
2: Well, I mean, I think that... The passage refers to looking at the other person as someone unique and unrepeatable, someone chosen by eternal love. But I think that we need to claim this truth for ourselves if we're going to really be free to enter into life-giving relationships. I need to claim the first love. It says in John's first letter that love resides not in our showing any love for God, but in His showing His love for us first. Uh, The Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's loved us for all eternity, right? In Ephesians, Paul states that before the world was created, God chose us in Christ. Mm. See, God's been thinking about you and me for a long time. We're not some random accident of evolution. We're carefully chosen and planned. We're willed by God. Before God knit us in our mother's womb, he was thinking of us. He didn't want simply somebody from our gene pool, like somebody who looks like us. He wanted us, specifically us, unique, unrepeatable, you, Mario, me, Mm -hmm. David, and every other person who's in the world, every one of our listeners. God chose you, and he's been working on that plan for a long time somehow somehow without ever compromising human freedom what god did was work everything out in his plan so that each and every one of us would exist you know so i think that that's profound and if we don't claim that first then i think what winds up happening is we seek that love and affirmation everywhere else mm-hmm. if we don't start yeah. with like this acceptance of the fact that I have been chosen by eternal love, then my life is going to be this, this rat race, this, this panic or this anxiety of trying to, like, get value for myself, of feel like somehow that I'm worth something, right? But but how can we ever doubt that we're worth something if we accept that God thought of us and wanted us?
0: Us. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're always looking to be validated, especially kids today. How many likes you get on social media, mm-hmm. right? Will right. validate their importance or their relevance to their circle of friends, right? And I think if everyone would even just step back a minute and reflect and say, hey, if the creator of the universe thought of us first, it would kind of put everything, would align everything in our lives that it doesn't matter so much what other people think or or how they value us because the creator values us uh, with the utmost importance.
2: Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, I think something else that's true here. I mean, for for some, it might be social media likes. or But there are other ways in which the culture tries to tell us that we should be identifying our value, right? That our, our sexual value is our value. So somehow if we're not desirable or we don't look a certain way and uh, or, you know, like if we're not uh, sexually attractive, then we don't have value. Or if we're not graduating from that school with that name and and getting that career and having that kind of job, then we don't have value. So so our our value comes from what we do, what what our profession is, what our career is, or or the the name of the school we went to, or or maybe my value is what I have. You ever meet somebody who just you know can't deal with the old iPhone for more than like you know two months before they have to have the new one because it it's like somehow my possessions define me, yeah. or or where I live, or the kind of clothes I wear define me. Like we're always looking for ways for people to to recognize us as valuable. And the culture tells us a gajillion ways in which we need to do that. And the fact is, that's all a lie. That's all a lie. When we start to identify ourselves by all those other things, we've bought the lie. The truth is that God has loved us first That God loved us and was thinking of us before he created the universe. See, and if if we don't accept that, then we're going to have trouble in life. We're going to be always just looking for that validation. We're going to also look for that validation in, in our relationships. And that's where things get really messy.
0: Well, here's sort of a challenging question, Dave. So how do we get the listener to believe that? to believe that God chose us first. I mean, it's words, right? So how do you how do you own that statement? You know, because it's easy to say, you know, we, we do here at Array of Hope, we do hundreds of confirmation retreats and events and concerts, and we're always saying that. You know, we're always saying, you know, God loves you, you're made in the image and likeness of God, but then there has to be something that resonates in the person to believe it. How do we get that person to truly believe that the creator of the universe Thought of us first.
2: Well, and I think that that's where this other component that John Paul II is referring to comes in, because notice he starts talking about the idea of being unique and unrepeatable, someone chosen by eternal love, in reference to the other person and how we ought to be loving them. That that if we're going to love them correctly, we need to recognize them as someone God chose for their own sake, and they're not just for my sake, Mm. right? So here's, I think, my response, that when you love somebody authentically, it sets their heart free to recognize that there's an inherent value to them, that they are worthwhile, that they're worthy of love. But only authentic love can do this. Only the kind of love that I'm giving myself for that other person and their good. That I don't love them because of this or that thing in them, because of their smarts, because of their sense of humor, because of the way they look. That I'm not loving them just for whatever benefit they provide me, because they make me laugh, because whatever the case may be, they give me a certain social status. That only when I love them for them and they experience that kind of authentic love... I think that can set their heart free. It's going to be hard to convince yourself that you're lovable if you don't believe you are. The only way that you get convinced that you're lovable is by somebody authentically loving you. Right,
0: right. And, and where does that come from? You know, a parent maybe?
2: Maybe. Yeah, a sibling? Hopefully.
0: Yeah, right.
2: But certainly it's, it's the job of, of the Christian— It's the job of of the person who belongs to Jesus Christ to love each person with the love that Christ loves them with. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And so somehow, some way, through our love for each person we come in contact with, they need to learn about their own lovability, that they are chosen by eternal love. And that they don't have to be someone in order to earn that love. And that they don't have to become, you know, this or that thing that the world says in order to be valuable. But I don't think anything but authentic love can do that. And, and here's the thing. If I don't believe in the fact that I am chosen by eternal love, that I am valuable because of that, and I start to look for that affirmation in other relationships, then what happens is this. That relationship becomes one of possession and not freedom. That relationship becomes codependent. It becomes a relationship in which I can smother the other person because I place these demands on them that they can't fulfill. I'm trying to get them to love me the way that only God can love me. They can't love me the way God loves me. They can't give me the kind of love that is really going to fill my heart. only God can. and if I don't accept the fact that God loves me that way, I seek that kind of love from other people and that just makes relationships explode and destruct
0: so if you ever you know if you ever doubt you know the value of your life or the importance of who you are as a person, I mean, uh, we have to believe that God doesn't make mistakes, right? right. And I recently read not too long ago that, um, you know, the mere fact of how we're each and every one of us is conceived. I read that it is one in 400 trillion that the odds are that you're here. Right. So, I mean, with those kinds of odds, it almost seems impossible.
2: Well, yes. And God overcame the odds to make each one of us. And that speaks volumes about how valuable we are. And we have to own that. Here's what I'd suggest, maybe as a concluding idea. Look at a crucifix. If you struggle with this, if you're a listener and you struggle with this, look at a crucifix, see Jesus on that cross, and say over and over again, that was for me. That was for me. That was for love of me. That might be a really important place to start because we're not only so valuable that God overcame the odds to create us. God gave his only son to shed his blood, to save us. God is dying to have us with him for all eternity. Mm -hmm. Now, if we didn't believe that we're valuable because God created us, can we look at a cross and see Jesus hanging there and see how unbelievably valuable we are to God. Hmm. So maybe that's a first step, hey?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's a, a great starting point. So um, if the if you're out there listening and you think you don't have any value or you're doubting your importance or you're doubting uh, that you're loved, uh, don't doubt any longer. I mean, God loves you beyond what you can imagine. And um, we'll pray here at Array of Hope that that love becomes evident to you. Amen my face the phone my mouth Okay, so our uh, surprise guest uh, caller today is I'm going to try to reach out to a Dr. Peter Howard. Dr. Uh, Peter Howard uh, was on our Fatima Gem series uh, not too long ago, which we did a whole TV series on, the uh, apparitions of Fatima. Uh, He's a good friend. I don't get to talk to him as much as I would like, but he is like a book of knowledge, and he's a great guy. Um, let me reach out to him and see if he could uh if I could surprise him with a phone call right now. Um. One, one ringy dingy, two ringy dingies. Hello?
1: Peter. Oh, hey, how's it going, Mario? Hey, how how, how you doing? What, do, oh i'm doing okay hanging in there are, are you uh, are you on the
0: moon right now it sounds like you're really far away uh i wonder if it's
1: because i just put on my headset oh, okay uh,
0: maybe I'll... it's okay it's okay it's good listen i'm gonna jump in here i just started a pa- podcast and i'm i'm recording our conversation because i want you to be part of our podcast is that okay
1: Oh, sure. I mean, am I clear enough for
0: you? You're clear as a bell. You've always been a cl- very clear, concise person. So <laughs> <laughs> so let me. I, I wanted to ask you a question. So our theme for this podcast, and I'm going to really throw you a curve here, but I know you can handle it, is chosen by eternal love. In other words, we're really chosen by God, essentially, right? I wanted you to kind of comment on that. Is that uh, something that you can comment and how we're all chosen uh, by God really for a mission, purpose? thoughts there peter
1: yeah absolutely well i mean what comes to my mind right away mario is um the words of jp2 that we are unrepeatable you know we're irreplaceable and there will never be another of you and just that in and of itself is a pretty powerful reflection because it shows to the uniqueness of god's love for each one of us you know and for, for those listening you know for you individually And what God has created you for is something that He hasn't created anybody else for. And so there's beauty in that. There's weight upon that too, because I always think about it too. When I either get down or confused or just kind of wondering, it's like, well, if I don't do what I was created to do, then nobody will do it. That's how special we are. But it also means God also has it worked out that everything that you need to do what He created you for. It's waiting. We need to, you know, to live in that love, and also realize too that, you know, we're family. God's our father. He's not our employer, and He knows our needs before we ask them. And there's so many moments in life where you you, you can just get bogged down with, "How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through that?" Or I have a sixth child coming, and you know, there's so much going on. I have to pause and realize, God knew this. He He's He's in control. He knows all of these things, and it's a moment where. He's inviting me, I would say, more deeply, you know, into relationship with him. In really, in other words, kind of like God saying, you know, Peter, I've got this. Right. You know, right. and so it does give a lot of peace in a busy world. One of the uh, most challenging things is we have to stop and, and reflect on that because the pace and the busyness of the world only goes against us in my experience.
0: Yeah, I I love what you said that God will say, you know, I got this, I'm in control, he's in control. And I think often, um, you know, we're all busy. We're crazy. You know, we're, we're in our, we're in our groove and, and we forget about God that if we do are presented with a difficult time or, th- or times of stress or angst, um, it, it was really great what you said that God knew that in advance. He, he's armed you with the gifts and the talents and the ability to overcome anything, providing that you make him part of your life, you know, and, and really it boils down to trust and remembering that God's all around.
1: It does. And if I could share something just on a personal level, uh, you know, the, the past year was one of the most difficult years of my life. And and all I'll say about that is that God used it to allow things to happen that served as a, a massive stripping. And in that stripping, you know, there was a lot of tears, a lot of crying out. And uh, it's not the answers and the theological things that I you know that that's going to come to my aid. It's going to be that moment of surrender, especially if I go before Him in the Eucharist, where I have nobody else around. It's just the Lord and me. Where I begin to see, okay, like yeah, Peter, I I do have I have your back. Trust me through this and. And just kind of wait and see. I just I just ask the question. Please just go quickly. You know, <laughs> let's get to that point. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's how he forms the saints, and we just have to persevere through that.
0: Amen. Well, listen, Peter. Thank you so much for being part of this. You know, we'll touch base again soon. I'll I'll give you a shout, and we'll we'll reconnect. Okay.
1: I would love to, Mario. Thank right. you so much.
0: Peace. Thank you so much. God bless. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, So I'm excited today. Our guest is Damon Owens. He is the founder and executive director of Joy2Be. He's also the founder of Joy-Filled Marriage in New Jersey and the New Jersey Natural Family Planning Association. He is an international speaker and evangelist, and he is the former executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute in Philadelphia. So here we are with Damon Owens. Damon, hello. How are you today?
3: I'm blessed. Great to be with you.
0: That's great. That's great to have you. And uh, I'm excited to uh, share this time with you today. And uh, I have a bunch of questions for you. Um, you know, you're you're so uh, well respected. You're very prolific in in many of the things that you share with the Catholic community. Um, how did it all start for you? Like, what is your background?
3: Yeah. So really, it's amazing. I'm involved in so much uh, theology and uh, really just beautiful teachings of our catholic faith because i'm that prodigal you know i came back to the church in graduate school when i met my beautiful to-be wife melanie and we were both pretty far from the church so it really was wrapped up in our reversion our going back to the catholic faith of our childhood but as young adults asking really tough questions because i mean honestly we were passionately in love and we wanted to reconcile with the faith of our childhood but there's always that dilemma That, um, you know, can we be happy? Can we be joyful? Can we be dispassionate and still be Catholic? That was an honest question, and we we weren't sure what the answer was. Once we were able to reconcile that, both in our heads and in our hearts, man, I got to tell you, the whole world just opened up. Everything opened up. We wanted to tell everybody. These aren't opposites. These aren't in conflict. In fact, God passionately loves us. And when we learn to passionately love, we can do what we wish.
0: How old were you guys when you um, had a reversions back?
3: We were uh, 23 and married at 26. Wow. Wow. You're, yeah.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
3: Well, that, the funny story is we were at Berkeley. We were at the University of California, Berkeley. It's not like we were at a Steubenville or a Dallas or Ave Maria, anything like that. Well, you had a lot we of were,
0: distractions.
3: Oh, my goodness. We <laughs> were in the middle of the secular world, and we were trying to get ours and— and to do all this, so this was a challenge, Um, but it was so much we had such a desire to know the truth. That's really mm. the honest answer.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you had you sort of rediscovered who God was. You fell in love with him again. You, you, your spirit was awakened, right? Uh, yes. But, but where did the desire come from to share that, you know, publicly oh. to really, um, I mean, we're given a desire in our hearts to want to evangelize in the way that you and I do. So when yeah. did that start for you? And when did, when did God start revealing that to you in your heart?
3: It was the year before we were married, so we were doing the standard pre cana We did Engage Encounter Retreat weekend, and we were going through all the, the checks and hoops, and we were really surprised at our peers. Um, there was no sense of superiority, but we were really surprised nobody was on fire. Hmm. It was, And we were looking around at our, our, our peers like, don't you see this? Don't you get Because we were in the middle of this firestorm of the Holy Spirit, and, um, we, not like we knew how to act, we knew what to do, but we were just excited and we wanted to know more, but our peers weren't. And we were happy to be uh, invited to be part of a pre-cana team, uh, right after we were married that said, look, we don't need theology. We just, we, just, we want you to share your story of how, you know, you were sexually active. You were in the world and made a huge decision to stop. And for two and a half years experienced. experience, you know, later on, we learned the word chastity, but in the moment it was just. It was a priest teaching us how to love, and that story was honest, it was ours, and we wanted to share it with the world, and these pre-cana teams in New Jersey invited us in Newark and Patterson and the diocese there, and we started to share our story and lighting people on fire. That's and good. you know what that's like when you're in ministry yeah. and you see the Holy Spirit at work and you had a a tiny part in it. And you want more. You want to be part of that.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so when did you When did you get that desire to develop the intellect? Um, you, you obviously you felt God. You were experiencing God as a couple, which yeah. is beautiful. But then there's like a whole other level where you want to learn more. There's a hunger. When did that happen for you?
3: Yeah, good observation. Really, because that's that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, the heart was on fire, was true, but people started to ask difficult questions and I didn't have answers. Right? And we started to have challenges in our own marriage in the early years and I didn't have answers. I didn't even have anybody that I really trusted to answer intimate questions about uh, sex and marriage and children, discerning children and, you know, what do I do with this sexual passion now that we're married? Hmm. You know, a lot of real tough stuff. And back in, you know, the early 90s, that was that was nowhere on our radar so as people ask questions, I started to read, mm. and you know, I'm 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 an engineer, you know, so I, I have this this temperament and this training that if there's knowledge out there, then you can learn it. You know, there's this sort of a fearlessness with with gaining knowledge beyond your 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 own. Mm-hmm. So I just started to study theology and philosophy, and the Lord brought people in my life. Uh, my one of my earliest spiritual directors was a, a a doctorate in philosophy, so he really helped me to to develop a whole other part of my brain from an engineer to, to the philosophy. But then I also discovered a God-given gift to take good, true, beautiful things that may be complex on one level, but when you tie them to human experience, people's real lived experience, they get it. Yeah. They get it. Yeah, and yeah. and that's, that's it.
0: That is beautiful. You are truly gifted at that for sure. And I think there's... um. You know, there's a real need. I, I think most Catholics, it's like there's a threshold. They, they, they might have a sentiment or a feeling about what their faith means to them. Uh, they yeah. might go to the next level and maybe experience a retreat and feel good emotionally. But I mm. think that next level is to, you know, the next space to go to is to developing the intellect because once you start developing your formation, um, it makes things even more pronounced. Am I right? I mean, it feels. You, no,
3: absolutely. But it can't be it can't be an empty intellectual exercise. I mean, you you and I know this. We've talked about this, right? It has to be. be there's a, there's a phrase I use, in one of the heart of my ministry that says it says there is nothing less credible than the answer to a question that nobody's asking. Hmm. But when you have the answers to questions, even partial or an authority. That can answer the real questions of people's hearts. They will trust you, Wow. and they will—they are lit on fire to say, "I didn't know that. That makes sense."
0: That's beautiful. So, uh, you know, our theme today, Damon, is um, you know, chosen by eternal love. Uh, what does that statement mean to you?
3: Mm, mm. Chosen by eternal love—that that ties right into I, I see a capital L because <laughs> love is a, love is person. Is it's it's God as Father. It's God as Son, Jesus Christ. It's God as the Holy Spirit. And their unity, their communion is so perfect that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. There's such unity there that when we say um, made from love, we're talking about the persons who out of an abundance created us in his image and likeness in there with the ability to enter into communion, a life-giving communion. He makes us male and female. So that it's not just spiritual, it's not just intellectual, it's not just emotional, it's physical, it's the whole human capacity to enter into communion like God. And to be made eternally from love means that we not only have an identity that draws from that, we're called to a relationship to know that we belong irreplaceably to God, but then most importantly, we have a mission. We have a lifelong call to love like God to make this gift of ourself to other people that engenders God's love and God's life in them. This is at the heart of of everything that moves me in ministry, to know who we are, whose we are, and why we're here.
0: Yeah, amen. Um, you know how it speaks to me is that, you know, teenagers, young people today, are really struggling. There's a lot of self-doubt, and I think uh, they're not reminded or, even worse, not told like you had said, that we're all made in the image and likeness of God, right? And and essentially, you know, God loved us first. He chose us yeah. into existence. <laughs> and I think people need to know that. And and, and maybe you can elaborate on that, like the beauty of that, because uh, many have forgotten their self-worth. Many, uh, I mean, even with the rise in suicides, you know, with young people, mm. these kids are desperate. These kids are shouting out for some form of recognition ignition or an answer, uh, where often the answer is right in front of them, but people, even Catholics, are just not sharing that, the, the beauty of that.
3: Yeah, I tell you, you know, I, I, total transparency. I see it in, in my older teens. I see even in the house where, you know, we teach and we preach and we use a language and a vocabulary. It's here. It's it's in the way we've, we've tried to raise them and interact them and, and with our own woundedness and our own brokenness. But the point is that every one of us, and even those who may have the intellectual understanding or the phrase of being made in the image and likeness of God, it has to penetrate. It has to literally interpenetrate who we think we are when we look at ourselves in the mirror, uh, that how we act, knowing that we act uh, either because we believe that or because there's some doubt and that doubt makes us panic. It makes us like Adam and Eve in the garden where they were afraid and were naked and we hid because there's something so deep in us that without that belonging, without that that knowing in our heart and in our head that we're sons and daughters of God the Father, we can never be unsonned. Mm. We can never be abandoned, that we're irreplaceable right on. belonging to God. But we have to choose to receive love. You know, mm-hmm. just because we could be in, a, in an environment where love is all around and it's, it's it will be easy, there's still a, an ontological of being a sense of who we are. The human person has to freely accept what is given. And you're right. There's opportunities now where this, this where it's not being given at all. That's for sure. It's not being taught. It's not being – but there's also a real dearth and then fear that keeps people from accepting the love that's been part of their life from the beginning. Mm. And communion requires both receptivity and initiative gift. And without both of those, you can't have communion. You can't have love.
0: Mm, Yeah. The odds are that we are one in 400 trillion that we even exist at this point, given the fact the journey of the sperm and the odds of one particular sperm, you know, fertilizing an egg. You know what I mean? where it's yes, it's like yes. and then when you kind of remind people of that um it's like you know yeah god god made this happen for me specifically and i try to um convey that to people sometimes that are suffering or dealing with loss or self-worth or feel that they're just alone you know
3: if even if there's a seed of faith then that experience you just said is what happens people say oh my goodness this is not an accident but you know, there's also people who don't even have the seeds of faith, mm. so they they turn the other direction, where they start looking at the mathematical and of possibilities, and it feeds into that false identity, that false sense of somehow we're we're cosmic accidents. We shouldn't even be here. So it's it's funny how we can rationalize without faith uh, in a way that that tries to really challenge uh, the great gift of of life. But in my experience, it has been more like yours. That when we can help people with that, with a seed of faith, to see that one in whatever trillion, we're like, you know what? This is about design. Therefore, designer. This is about creation and the creator. This isn't about some some cosmic accident. That uh, it's just not possible. It's not possible.
0: How do we How do we convey that uh, you and I and Catholics that really truly want to share the love of Christ to someone yeah. that? Uh, is disengaged from the church or feels that the church has abandoned them or really, uh, in today's culture, feel that the church does not relate to who they are as a person. How do we do that? How do we, you know, how do we, uh, (laughs) you know, in a short time that we might have with people, sometimes we only have a few minutes, you know, with
3: someone. And
0: uh, how would you do that?
3: Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that it? I mean, to be able to engage someone in such a way that they can, they can see divinity. They can see the God who created all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience has been, um, both personally and in ministry, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's about affirming the real-life experiences that people have, good, bad, and ugly, including the sin and the weaknesses, but also the joys. And the sufferings, affirming those experiences and not trying to whitewash them, not trying to, you know, explain them away or put them into a neat package. But, but you know, being able to look someone in the eye and uh, really share yourself and, and, and being at a peace yourself, myself, that I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I, I've got sin, I've got weaknesses, I've got all these things, but there's a joy here because I know who I am. And I, and I know who my dad is, and that lets me see you in a way that I could never see you as a brother or sister because we share the same father, especially if we're baptized. Mm-hmm. I think the heart really is not about the content. I think it's about a real presence with people that is so lacking in our world today, um, spending time, looking someone in the eye, affirming in them that you're good. Yeah. You're good not because of what you've done. You're good because of who you are. Yeah. And I think we can convey that non-verbally. We can convey that from our hearts. And people want to, they want to know that.
0: Basically, you're saying just to be honest and, and to share your heart with people, uh, be a witness, you know, and, and I think through that witness, people will ask, well, what has he got that I don't have? And where's that joy coming from? And then invoking that conversation, right?
3: Yeah, and too, it's the pat answers too. I mean, I love, like I said, I'm a recovering engineer. I would love to give answers to everyone and to you know, but the reality is there are very few pat answers, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm not even so convinced anymore that it's about getting the answer as much as it is asking the right questions to the right people, right. to God.
0: Yeah, Amen, well listen Damon thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us and uh, it's been a pleasure being with you and uh, catching up and uh, God bless you and all your work and your endeavors uh, you. and uh, we'll meet up soon, amen
3: I look forward to that and you guys do such wonderful work it's, uh, it's a privilege to be with you, thank you for the invitation
0: So thanks for hanging out with us today, producing these podcasts have really been a lot of fun It has helped me to grow closer to God and I hope it's done the same for you So if you want to learn a little bit more about Array of Hope or bring us to your parish, you can go to arrayofhope.net. That's A-R-R-A-Y of hope.net. Also, join us on social media where we release daily reflections, videos on the saints, and lots of fun stuff and music all the time. We're on Array of Hope on Facebook, Array of Hope Show on Twitter and Instagram. And we also have hundreds of videos on our YouTube page at Array of Hope. So you got to check that stuff out. Also, if you have any questions about anything that was discussed today on this podcast or about the Catholic Church or even about your faith, just reach out to us at podcast at arrayofhope.net and Dr. David Heideck will respond on the next podcast and try to answer your question. This podcast is only possible with donations and supporters of Array of Hope. You can become part of the Array of Hope family by going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. So please join us each week where we will release a new podcast with a new theme, new guests, new surprise calls, and new discussions with David Heideck on St. John Paul's Theology of the Body. Our theme next week will focus on the family. It seems it's under attack today. We all know how extremely difficult it is to raise and keep our family intact, so you got to check that out. Our guest will be Jason Everett. He's an amazing speaker and presenter, known all over the world for his ability to connect and reveal the truth with humor, clarity, and love. Don't miss it. Often we go through our day and we go through our daily routine without even thinking about God. We go through these moments when life becomes difficult or challenging and and we're faced with choices that need to be considered and decisions that need to be made. And since we're not really including God throughout our day, we often approach these choices alone. And some of these decisions can be life altering. We are bearing the weight all by ourselves. We mustn't forget that we are designed to be in communion with the creator of the universe. God is calling out to us to ask his opinion, to help us in these decisions that are weighing us down. By just allowing God to be part of our day, this will assure us that we can be confident in his plan for us. Jesus has said many times, do not be afraid, trust in me. Well, God feels left out. Let's include him. Let's get him involved with our lives. After all, He is our hope, right? And what is hope? It is the certainty for what God promises. A trust in what He has said to be true. Thanks a lot for joining us today. And there is always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace.